0: Hey, what's up? This is Grady Allen from Anxious, and you are listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome. To the new scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. And on the show this week, we have Marshall Gallagher of Teenage Wrist. Teenage Wrist just put out an excellent new LP called Still Love. It's great. They're great. And this conversation with Marshall is great. He was really nice. It's a nice conversation that spans the history of the band and a wide variety of other topics. That conversation is coming up shortly. But first, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Shirts. We have shirts available at Death Wish Inc. Pick one up. It's a great way to support the show. Reviews. Give us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit that five star button. You can leave feedback on Spotify and you can write a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can always reach me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. Garrison and Orange Island are playing a gig Friday, October 6th at the Middle East downstairs in Boston. That's with Pilot to Gunner, Sinaloa, and Not Bad, Not Well. That's the original Garrison lineup, and they haven't played in a long time. And this is an Orange Island reunion. They haven't played in a long time. Go check out that gig. It's going to be sick. Also pre-order the new 7-inch from Garrison and Orange Island. Songs from a central Massachusetts mill town. The original idea for this split was conceived in 2003. Garrison covered an Orange Island song. Orange Island covered a Garrison song. But the split never saw the light of day. Well, it's here now. And it's out October 6th. Pre-order your copy today. It's out October 6th. Sign up for the Iodine Recordings Noise Colt. You'll get the next six releases from Iodine and deluxe variants with a ton of extras like free shipping and hand-numbered OB strips. There's limited space in the Noise Colt, so sign up today while spots last. And sign up for the Iodine email list. You'll find out about everything first. For more information, Head to the iodine Instagram at iodine recordings or to the iodine website at iodinerecordings.com. Also, don't forget to support this month's sponsor, New Morality Zine. That's right, NMZ is a Midwest based zine and independent record label specializing in hardcore, post hardcore and alternative music. Pre-orders are up for Curse the Knives, There's a Place I Can Rest, that's out September 8th. Final and merch bundles are available. The new single Big Old House just came out and it's really good, give it a listen. The cassette repress of Wish You Were Here by Demo Division is available. That's limited to 50 tapes, so pick it up soon. Stateside has tour dates this fall with Montclair to support their release It's what we do. Those tour dates kick off September 15th in San Diego. Also, NMZ has a second press of Far Out Hardcore by Spaced on Orange Cassettes. They're available now in the NMZ store. And speaking of Spaced, Lexi, the vocalist of the band, will be on this podcast in an upcoming episode, so stay tuned for that. And don't forget, you get 10% off any order in the NMZ web store with the code new scene pod that's all one word for more information head to the nmz instagram at new morality zine or check out their website at newmoralityzine.com. okay so here's a music recommendation for you the band peasant coming to us all the way from cape town south africa it's very vicious very metallic hardcore and you know i love that So if you love it too, check them out. They've got music up on Spotify or your streaming service of choice. They've got videos up on YouTube, and they've got a new single and video coming out this Friday for their song, Cape Death. Give it a listen. All right, so check back in with me in segment three. I'll tell you everything that's going on with me, but right now, we are going to speak to Marshall Gallagher of Teenage Wrist. Enjoy. We are here now with Marshall Gallagher. Marshall, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, Marshall, it's great to have you here. You know, there's a lot of exciting things happening in your life. We have the Still Love LP from Teenage Wrist. It's out today as we record this, yes?
1: Yes, it's out today as of, I don't know, 9 o'clock Pacific uh, last night.
0: That's very exciting. Teenage Wrist has a pretty rich history, been doing a lot of great things. I've heard in advance of the record and I absolutely love it. And uh, Marshall, we're going to cover all that. We're going to cover all that. But first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today?
1: Man, I am. It's, it's a bittersweet moment. I will say that because album release day marks the end of one phase of the cycle. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the most fun part for me is making the record you know so that's that's like officially over now it's it's out in the world you can't touch it you can't you know take anything back the the lps are out for people to listen to on their turntables and uh yeah and it we're <laughs> we're now thrown to the wolves and the haters on youtube and stuff and i try not to look at any of that but <laughs> um yeah it's a little sad But it's also so exciting because everyone finally gets to hear it. And now begins the next phase, which is we get to play all these songs live.
0: When did production on this new record begin? When did it all start? And I'm talking like writing the songs.
1: Writing the songs, we started officially putting stuff down on quote-unquote tape, I guess, uh, early 2022, January. So Anthony and I went out to Yucca Valley which is right outside of Joshua Tree, kind of a legendary spot for artists to go and, and fuck off to the desert and, you know, just just <laughs> shut out the rest of the world and, and focus on making something cool. So we rented a little Airbnb out there, brought a mobile studio and started hashing out some ideas.
0: Did you find that uh, the remote location helped you guys creatively?
1: I think so. In a in, uh, sort of Unconscious way. You know, sometimes it's hard to focus when you're at the place where you record every day or, you know, in your house recording stuff. It's, it's a completely different, like even just the level of noise outside, you know, it's, it's just like completely silent out there. Whereas even here, I'm sure maybe you can hear some of the background noise, just, you know, traffic and fans. And I don't know if you can hear it, but it's, it, it's, it's a little bit, um, revealing, I guess, like just, you know, being able to be in your own thoughts and not have any distractions. It's a little uncomfortable at first, but I think it does help, at least for a while.
0: Yeah, you know, Marshall, I was just thinking about this today. I was going to try and experiment. I live in (laughs) New York City, which is noisy, as we know. So there's, and in summer, there's all kind of noise. I have the window open, and there's noise outside, or I have the air conditioner on, and that's noisy. And I I got into the bad habit of falling asleep with something on the computer, so there's noise Mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about going to sleep with everything off and just seeing what happens, but I'm like scared of doing that.
1: (laughs) Rightfully so. (laughs) In New York, I feel like you're going to get almost more noise, if that makes sense, with nothing on. So it's just like the outside world pouring into your apartment. I'm assuming it's an apartment. Yes,
0: Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. See, I I had to start uh, incorporating noise pollution to even fall asleep.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like the white – you ever use the white noise apps? Or actually, uh, a buddy of mine who I was uh, just like sharing a room with on this tour that I'm currently sort of on right now has an app with different uh, fan noises. (laughs) 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 It's just like five or six different brands and speeds of fan. (laughs) <laughs> which is
0: that's amazing areas i've actually used a fan you see i i wanted to get into the app and like i don't know waterfall sounds or something like that but i i'm like i got a fan here i use it anyway i'll use that now i fall asleep to twitch so that can be trippy because you'll hear like a soft voice and someone playing a game and you wake up and you're like wait is someone here uh you know
1: what what game are you falling asleep to that's i mean this is gonna let me know how batshit shit you are just So, you know,
0: very bad shit because it could be either Warzone or like (laughs) NES classics. So it always like I always get woken up and I have to go push the volume all the way down and then get back into bed. And but uh, there's there's a couple late night streamers who stream Nintendo original 8-bit Nintendo games that can be relaxing.
1: That sounds actually very soothing.
0: Yeah. And and they have like a soft voice. So now I'll just knock the volume all the way down to like eight. And that's that's good enough.
1: I love that. It's like <laughs> falling asleep when you're a kid and, you know, you're a sleepover and your friends are playing Nintendo and you're just kind of drifting off. That's lovely. I like that.
0: That's exactly it. I don't know what it is, but some, there's something about watching those uh, games be run. It's just very, very comforting, which is probably everything you just described.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I can. I, I'm
0: you know, I may try that. Give it a shot. You'll like it. You'll learn a lot about the games too if you ever want to speed run them yourself.
1: It's been a really long time since I've like properly played a video game. So yeah. uh yeah, I mean I, I could do a dive back in to I, I think it um I'd be a lot happier if it were like N sixty four, I think. Yes. Like, as, as some yes. some Zelda or you know, something like that. I, I could watch anyone Play any Zelda game for just days,
0: yeah, I watched those. I watched someone stream uh the new Zelda game for like eighty hours, and uh, <laughs> don't worry uh, I'm not gonna go off into too much of a video game tangent here, everyone. just just bear with me for a second, but I did just finish a full one hundred twenty star run of mario sixty four for the first time in my life. It took me a year and a half to finish oh my god that's
1: that's so satisfying, yeah. And then did you do the... I'm sorry, we're fully going into video game rant now, but did you do the thing at the end where you shoot the cannon up to the top of the castle and it's like super anticlimactic?
0: Yeah, and Yoshi's there and he's like, hey, we want you to keep playing the game even though you beat it all. Here's a hundred lives, and then he jumps into the waterfall and disappears.
1: Yeah, and then you're supposed to just what? Do nothing? Like I don't know.
0: I psh, I just ran around outside for like half an hour, and then I was like, "All right, I'm done."
1: Yeah, just flip around a little bit, celebrate. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah it was it was uh, it felt like I really achieved something, and you know what? I did because it's a hard game. It is.
1: It's very hard. I mean, I I had to. I think probably look up some strategy guide stuff the the first time around.
0: And I've only oh, done the,
1: I've only done the 120 thing once. I think that's all you yeah, need. Yeah, you
0: only need to do it once. Yeah. It was really frustrating. By the end I was like fuck this game. I can't do this anymore. I keep falling off the freaking carpet on the rainbow. I hate this. And then when I finished I was like, "Oh, I love it."
1: That fucking carpet on the rainbow. Any that the, like video games were such a source of rage for me <laughs> <laughs> like growing up I like I I chucked so many controllers and just I didn't ever break anything though. I wasn't like I don't know. I didn't fuck myself over that hard. That's good. But tears tears were shed for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to smash up your stuff. That that's where it gets weird. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that ends the video game portion of the conversation everybody. I'm moving back into Music now. Okay. So, Marshall, where are you right now?
1: I'm at, for some reason, I don't know how this happened, but I'm actually in my apartment in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, really? So, well, you said you were on kind of a tour. What's going on? Where are you playing? What are you doing? So,
1: Anthony and I are currently playing in the backing band for Paris Jackson who is on oh. on tour with uh, Incubus and Badflower Flower right now. Really? Yeah. And we had a couple of shows fall through. Uh, so they flew us home for like wow. two days, I think, total. And then, yeah, on a couple of days from now, I fly back to the East Coast and we do like three more weeks of that tour.
0: What do you and Anthony do in Paris Jackson's band?
1: He plays drums and I play bass. I don't know how I got the bass job, but... I did, and it's really fucking fun. I
0: love playing bass. And this is Paris Jackson, like Michael Jackson's kid. Correct. Holy cow!
1: Yeah, she's got a rock band. She is like, you know, just going for it.
0: That's amazing. And and you're out on tour with her and Incubus. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. How is that? It's it's wild. It's like so. First of all, we we had a similar run last year when Wrist opened for Three Eleven for like three mm-hmm. weeks, it, but it was all like middle of nowhere sea markets where you would never even think that there was like a giant music venue. So like, you know, we're hitting a lot of Fargo, St. Cloud, Minnesota, like deep cuts. So that's strange. You know, it's, it's always weird to be in an arena in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, and it's wild to see a band like Incubus just like still doing what they do. I mean, I think they've been a band for like 30 years or something. And literally my first concert ever, first proper concert was Incubus and 311 at like a giant radio show. Wow. So, you know, getting to be on the the flip side of that now and, you know, being a a nobody first of three person, like watching them backstage every day is like, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I can't really find the word to describe it right now, but it's, it's, uh, I'm having a lot of, like, out-of-body experiences, if that (laughs) gives you an idea.
0: Do you ever think that you died and just what you're experiencing right now is some sort of afterlife or different dimension? Because think about that. Your first gig is Incubus (laughs) and 311, and I've heard you talk about 311 and, you know, how they were an early inspiration for you and Mm -hmm. how much you dig them, and now you are playing gigs with them.
1: Yeah, I fully have that like just dissociation <laughs> thing happening all the time. And I don't know if it that's good. Like if that's a sign that, you know, my, my life has kind of evened out and I'm just like super, super happy now. And <laughs> like, I've checked off so many things off my bucket list or if I died sometime, I don't know like <laughs> so like a year and a half ago because because <laughs> post-covid it was like you know maybe that could have happened like i was i was definitely down in the dumps at like fully fucking rock bottom and yeah i don't know maybe maybe that happened
0: how were you in at rock bottom what was going on
1: uh just i think there was a time release of like post-covid side effects you know, just just like really, really depressed, really anxious, really uh, just kind of ready to give up on the whole making music for a living thing, which I've been lucky enough to do for as long as I have. So giving up wasn't necessarily like the worst thing in the world, and I could probably handle it even today if I had to do that cuz it's i mean it it's it's a bonus really it's just like you know, like how many people really get to do what they love for a living it's like i don't know if i had to put a percentage on it i would guess like 1% of people yeah it's
0: not most people just go to a job that they don't like and hopefully they get to do some things that they do enjoy with the money they get from that job
1: yeah exactly so like it wouldn't be that big of a deal you know and that's not really what was making me super depressed it was like a lot of other stuff but yeah it it was just a a bad just a huge huge dip in my mental health
0: yeah you know what me too i actually during the initial run of covid when we were all really stuck inside that was fine because Mm -hmm. i work remotely anyway right so it was i don't know it was was like an excuse for me to not have to go anywhere or do anything which i loved But then when things started opening back up, I went through a breakup and that was really tough. And I don't know, there was like stuff to deal with for a long time after that, personally. So that whole, uh, 2021 for me will forever be just a year where I'm like, oh, that was, that was, well, good things happened that year, but bad things too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was fully, you know, two sides, the most extreme sides of of that, that coin, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, same, same sort of deal. I was slowly but surely exiting a relationship and, you know, we were living together in like this tiny little apartment with an animal and it was not, you know, not anything that could have been sustainable, especially for as long as we did it. And, uh, you know, on top of that, it was everything post COVID and, and we tried to do this tour with bad flower and, I think it was a lot of really subconscious, like social anxiety, like coming to the surface and going from zero social interaction to like playing packed shows in, you know, places we had never been before with that weren't necessarily super receptive to like what we were doing and just being out on the road for like six fucking weeks, chasing a bus. It was like, I got back and I just like, I just like imploded.
0: Yeah. You know what? Uh, reintegrating into society has been tough. I lost my desire really to go to shows as much as I did and go see people as much as I did. And, uh, I forget until I talk to people on this show, they're like, you know, we went through a pandemic and like everyone was inside for a year and I feel like that too. And I'm like, Oh, I thought it was just me. Right. So it's been, (laughs) it's been a slow process to like slowly, get back to normal and only now am i making myself get out more and like go to shows more and just try to be part of society more
1: yeah definitely it's one of those uh you don't really realize what you've got till it's gone type of situations and i i fully had to just like force myself to get out and and be social again but now that i have it's like okay i'm i'm getting like way more comfortable with this and i'm i'm happy Happier, I think, than I've been in a long time.
0: So you became the main frontman for Teenage Wrist, On Earth is a Black Hole. That came out in 2021. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. When did that record come out in 2021?
1: Oh, I think it was February. Wait, no, no, that's not not right. That can't be right, because it was definitely during... The pandemic, so oh no, so it was 2020. No, that that actually does. I I would have to probably look <laughs> on on Spotify or something, something that tracks our progress. But yeah, I, I do think it was February 2021.
0: Okay, so yeah, that must have been crazy, right? Because you're thrust into the main frontman position of the band. We have this new record with you in February of 2021. And then one month later, it's like, hey, the music industry is gone now. Good luck.
1: So yeah, that's the timeline I was having trouble putting together because 2020 was the year that everything fucked off. So we had like a good, solid, I don't know six months or something where we were kind of in and out of sort of making the record.
0: Even now I'm confusing 2020 and 2021. Uh, my brain is forever scrambled for that period of time.
1: Right. It was just the time vortex and like everything just sort of disappeared and, and molded into to one strange year.
0: So how how long were we sitting on Earth as a black hole? Did you have to hold it for a while hoping that the industry was gonna open back up?
1: Not really, no. It was we actually made the decision with our label to just push it out, you know, and, and we we tried to set up like a a pretty uh long runway for the singles just to, you know, maximize like the you know, so the sort of anticipation i guess and and see how long we could run before like you know shows started coming back and and stuff like that but you know at the end of the day we decided that it was better to put a record out uh i i guess while everyone was like because everyone still was consuming a lot of music it's just you know live shows weren't happening so we figured that that might be like a you know even an upside where like everybody needs entertainment everybody needs art right now more than ever probably so we took the gamble thought that like if we put out the record then sure we can't tour on it right away but maybe fans will take a little bit of a deeper dive into it and share it more and and, you know maybe it would it would get a little bit more traction than it normally would and that turned out to be uh true that turned out to be a thing because we didn't get to tour on it really as like a headlining band until over a year later and the response was like insane it was like all of a sudden like we went from headlining shows in 2018 to pretty much no one and then just doing support tours for years and not having any idea like who was listening like it could have been no one you know and and, and like we wouldn't have known but then all of a sudden like we're headlining shows and we've got nearly sold out shows in new york and la and and Denver and just like complete surprise of people coming out of the woodwork. Like we had hundreds of people show up in like Columbus, Ohio, and we were like, wait, when did we become a band?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that's interesting. So you're playing these gigs, right? And you're saying not as many people were coming out in the support gigs or the headlining gigs? Like how many people are we talking Uh, on an average?
1: Well, we didn't really do a big run of headlining shows until 2022. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, before we start, so the first couple of like actual big tours we did were like first of three or main support ish, or like, you know, somewhere in the middle of four for Pianos Become the Teeth, World is a Beautiful Place, uh Citizen. And then we, we ended up going out with Thrice in the Bronx. So these were shows that like, not, we had no idea who was coming out for us because. The, like the the venues would fill up for these headlining bands, but no one was really reacting to what we were doing. No one was mm-hmm. really buying all that much merch. You know, like we had no gauge of whether or not people gave a shit because we were just a support act for so long.
0: Wow. So then you started headlining and people showed up.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I, I do think we can attribute a lot of it to COVID, though, because people had no choice but to sit down and listen to our record.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's it can be hard to gauge sometimes. Like, my band will play a show, and it seems like there isn't that many people there, and the people that are there, like, maybe aren't that interested. And I'm like, oh, man. But then you go to the merch table, and, like, there's, like, some healthy sales, and, and like, two or three people come up to you and say, like, hey, that was great. And you're like, wow, okay. So, I don't know, maybe people are just, like, figuring it out or taking it in.
1: Yeah, I think it does take a long time for you know, stuff to settle in and for for people to also become comfortable with being really into a band. You know, I think there's like this weird trial period where like people are starting like, like testing to see if you're going to be a band that like, you know, they can become really into and and a band that they can stick with. You know what I mean? Because like, and it, it, it also might just be like the style of music that we play. It's like people didn't start moshing until last year (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) people like i'm trying to figure out how to phrase this correctly so i don't sound like a fucking asshole but people like so many people were just sitting there with their arms crossed for so long and then out of nowhere like it was like an explosion of (laughs) like people going crazy you know yeah and it's like we didn't change (laughs) nothing happened it was just people had to kind of sit with it for a little bit i think
0: no you're right because i do this too like i'll be like oh no i'm at capacity right now i can't enter or i can't welcome any new bands into my life totally yeah like or just yeah or i talk to a lot like i talk to a lot of bands like your band marshall you know they're around right? And I, I figure they're, they're this brand new band that I'm talking to who's been around for a month and they're exploding. But then it's like, no, like this band has been around since 2015. Where have I been the whole time? Where have you been the whole time? Why haven't I heard this before then? So it's just like, I think it's just this swelling, right? You keep grinding away, you grow, the audience grows with you. And then at some point it just hits.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if it if it passes a certain level of like... uh objective quality then it's just a matter of persistence (laughs) it's just a matter of sticking around long enough so that people know who you are and feel like they can be you know part of something i guess absolutely part of the movement
0: yeah people get invested in the band and you as people and uh the music becomes part of their lives it's like a growing story together
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly yeah
0: in 2019, just when things are getting really starting to get moving for the band, Cam leaves, the original frontman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. What happened?
1: Well, at some point during the touring process, I think I mean I don't think, I know. <laughs> like <laughs> Cam uh got a little burnt out uh because he's been touring with his band, the Chain Gang of 1974, and then with us for years and years and years and he just needed a change in his his personal life didn't want to be on the road nearly as much as he was going and rightfully so because especially when you're not making any money touring which we weren't we were spending money to tour uh and you know we still kind of currently are we're not like coming home with massive paychecks in our pockets yeah um yeah i think he just he kind of had enough of that grinding you know, and he got married and, you know, it's, as as far as I know, he's wanting to start a family and just like, not switch careers, but like, j- you know, just shift a little bit into something that is a little bit more sustainable. And like, you know, we couldn't have seen the future coming for the band. And even still, we don't know. It's not like this is our day job. You know, we, we, ha- we still have a million other hustles. So... uh he was kinda like, Well, this can be a side project, you know, where we where we just don't really tour that much and we make records, or I can exit the band and you guys can push forward without me. And we all kind of came to the decision that it was uh it was a it, it would be a little bit of a shame and a waste if we just didn't move on the momentum that we were getting. You know, we 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 had just put out counting flies i had started writing some new stuff and i was like i don't want to you know i don't want to stick a fork in this thing just yet i want to i want to see what we can do to the to the best of our ability like he you know he he's had a lot of success with his music up until you know basically now like i haven't really with my own personal stuff it's been a lot of under the radar punk bands and things that didn't really pop off until a teenager. So I was like, no, I gotta go for this, you know. And right. there are no hard feelings. And, you know, sure, it, it got it got a little emotional. We we didn't talk for a minute. And, you know, there there was some disagree there there were some disagreements over how to like let people know that he was leaving and, you know, what we wanted to say. So it was weird for a minute. But at some point during the pandemic like we just kind of reached out to each other like he put a record out and i was like yo this record's phenomenal like sorry about all the <laughs> weird shit that happened and and yeah. and now we're you know we're just like friends again and collaborators and it's like we realized that it was all really fucking dumb <laughs> like why we were a little bit salty yeah so uh yeah it it just kind of evened itself out
0: that's the thing though even if it's an amicable end I think there's still things to sort through. Like yeah. I think that that's unavoidable. Definitely. Like, you know, everybody
1: has their reasons.
0: So Cam still does music. Does he just not do it full time or I mean, he does it
1: full time. I, I it's it's tough to actually quantify that, you know? Like because he he still does release records with two of his projects. He has the Chain Gang of 1974 and he has Heavenward, which is his uh rock leaning project which i we he just put out a record and i played a shitload of guitar on it so it's you know he's still doing the thing that he loves to do and it's getting a lot of attention it's a really cool record so i guess you could say he does it full time i don't know uh i i but he's like very into design world right now he's doing a lot of merch a lot of graphic design leaning stuff, like way more in the visual area of things. So mm-hmm. that's that's his bread and butter as far as I know. But I i couldn't tell you, you know, exactly where like how he spends all his time, you know.
0: Yeah. Do you ever uh like I do this sometimes. Let like let's say I'm working on something with somebody, right? And they're like, oh I can't do it anymore. Uh I'm doing this other thing. And then I see them doing these other things. And I'm like, oh well, you have time for those other things, but you didn't have time for my thing. Do you ever like get into that territory? I do that sometimes, but then I just shut it down because I'm like, you can't take people's inventory. You can't make them do things they don't want to do. Just focus on what you're doing.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see that, especially, I mean, with him, I don't because like yeah. I, I know like what his goals are. You know, I like we, we were very clear that like this was, it, it was all because of the, touring thing really it was just wearing away on on i mean all of us but he was just like yeah i'm i'm cashed out of that um so i i know that he's not out there doing six week runs as like a support band you know Mm -hmm. so (laughs) like like if i saw him do that i'd be like huh okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is interesting but yeah like yeah i mean even if he did i wouldn't give a shit you know like that was a completely different time in all of our lives we like so much emotional change and growth happened for all of us through the pandemic so like nothing nothing would irk me or surprise me now i would just be like you know what we weren't ready for it at the time and i can say that about fans creative projects, friendships, relationships, like I just I wasn't ready for any of it, <laughs> you know? And now on the other side, I'm like, okay, no, I can I can hold this down because I'm a different person.
0: And that's good that Cam was like, "Hey, you guys, you know, if you want to keep going, just go and run with it." Cuz he could have been like, "Oh, I don't want there to be a band if I'm not in it or you guys have to change your name or like any of that weird stuff." Like none of that happened, so that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much gave us his blessing and said, yeah, take it and run. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm, I I mean, and he was just so much of the driving force behind where we ended up and what we were doing. And, you know, he put us on the map and I I am forever grateful for that. I don't think we could have done what we did without him at all.
0: Right. It was part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I guess it was, fairly easy for you to step into the role right because you were already doing backups you were already doing vocals on songs i mean was it difficult at all to just to just step into that role
1: uh i wouldn't say it was incredibly difficult like yeah i was singing on some stuff i had a few songs where i i did some lead vocals but i i really i had no idea who i was as a singer and a frontman and i still don't you know i'm still charting that territory like i'm still very much coming into my you know like like pushing the limits of what i can do vocally and i still hate it (laughs) like (laughs) i've never considered myself a singer and to this day like i'll you know i listened to the record today and i was like god i fucking wish my voice sounded a little bit cooler you know (laughs) like (laughs) but i that's that's something i've come to accept about just creating in general is that like, it's never the way you want it to be. And the only way to get to where you want to be is to push through the shit that you don't want to do and to let it take its own course, you know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. see, I I think, uh, I think it's healthy if you have those thoughts and just continue to work through them. Right. Because I listened to still love and I'm like, wow, the production is spot on. You're spot on. Like everything sounds so good. But you're listening to it, and you're like, oh, I wish my voice sounded cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you hit that point where you're like, yeah, I fucking nailed it. Like I'm just the best vocalist that I've ever heard. Like you, there might be something wrong, you know. Like they, <laughs> you, you might, you might be an asshole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You you gotta keep uh I think you gotta keep that level of humble and just be like, I did a sufficient job or I did a good job, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. You can be proud of it.
0: Yeah. You don't wanna go out there telling people like, Yeah, man, I fucking killed that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we fucking rock. <laughs> you know? Like you can say that to yourself and you can be like, Yeah, you know, I finally did something fucking cool. But yeah, if yeah. you're if you're like, you know, all up your own ass. Like it's just <laughs> chances are it's not very good, like you have to be really something special, you know, like you have to be a Liam Gallagher or a Billy Corgan or just a once in a lifetime sort of performer, you know <laughs> to to really like <laughs> you know to to have that attitude,
0: yeah, it's a certain type of person, and it's not me, but Liam Gallagher is a great example, like he he can just say whatever basically, and it's still cool,
1: yeah, I don't. Understand it. <laughs> it's like a superpower. <laughs> it is, and it's an equal amount of disgust and reverence when whenever I like read one of his dumbass tweets or something. And I'm like, <laughs> God, he's so fucking cool. I hate him.
0: <laughs> uh, how long have you been living? You moved to to Los Angeles from Colorado.
1: Yes, I've been in L.A. for ten years now.
0: So now you're an official. Los Angelesen
1: law an Angelino, I think is, is the proper term for that. Yeah, I just made up a term there. eh, I wouldn't call myself that just yet. I think, I think I got to put in more years than I grew up in, uh, in Colorado for me to, so I, I, by the time I'm 50, if I'm still in Los Angeles, I will be an Angelino.
0: There you go. What prompted the move to Los Angeles? Whew.
1: Uh, If I'm being completely honest, a breakup. (laughs) Mm. I was kind of treading water in Colorado. And I'd been thinking about maybe moving to LA because a couple of my buddies were doing it. Like, I had just started playing with this band called 303. They had relocated to LA. Cam was somebody who I met in Colorado and ended up moving to LA. Yeah, a few of my friends were just, you know, kind of shifting in that direction and something happened where i was on tour and like the relationship that i was in ended and in that moment i was like you know what fuck it now is the time i'm gonna move to la and i did it as quickly as i possibly could and i was probably running away from you know some stuff for sure. But I was also like, you know what, I've been thinking about this for a minute. And this seems like a good opportunity to just try it.
0: Yeah, you might as well. I did the same thing from uh, Philadelphia to New York. Well, you know, I had a job offer through my company in New York, but there was also a lot I was trying to run away from. So, And I always wanted to live here. So I was like, why not? Let's go.
1: Yeah. You know, if, if that door gets opened, might as well, might as well take it.
0: So did Teenage Risk get started in LA?
1: Yes. Yeah. So that probably about the second year or so that I was here, Cam and I started just jamming, just me and him. I would bring over my 2009 MacBook <laughs> with my, my shitty little one-channel interface and uh, just record demos. The The first demo we recorded sounded somewhere between... <laughs> <laughs> like like rock and roll at uh rock and roll era, Ryan Adams and 9 inch nails. <laughs> it was really cheesy. Uh but it was kind of cool. We were like, hmm. You know, maybe we got something here. We kept churning out tunes. They started sounding more and more and more like Swerve Driver, Catherine Wheel, stuff in that lane. Yes. And uh yeah, about 4 songs in, we recorded a song called Afterglow. And that was the thing that was the one we were like, okay, this is a band now, you know, we should write an EP or something. And and we had no idea who was going to be the drummer, whatever. And his management at the time was like, Hey, this is a good band. Like you should record it. <laughs> so it was a fun little side project that turned into a real ass thing. And within three years we were signed to Epitaph.
0: So, Cam already had management, and they're like, hey, record this. That's a good sign.
1: Yeah, it was cool. It was cool to have that support. And it's not like they were giving us money, you know, but uh, we didn't really have to spend much money because we did a lot of the recording uh, ourselves. We did bass, guitar, and vocals in my apartment. Ah. I was living in like this little duplex thing in Koreatown with my friend Casey. Mm -hmm. And he had a little studio set up because he was producing a bunch of like electronic music. And over the course of like several weeks, we just, you know, put guitar amps and bass amps in the living room. And he had his little studio nook. And I mean, it was really loud and (laughs) we didn't know what the hell we were doing, but we, we somehow made it work. We record, we shelled out a little bit to, um, to record drums at a real spot. And, uh, mixing and mastering were done by somebody else but yeah we we just we did the meat of it ourselves and that became dazed
0: Oh nice how soon so i guess a couple years or a year or a couple years after that we get the attention of Epitaph how does that happen do they see you did they hear you did you send stuff to them so that was a connection uh between Nick
1: who uh works for Teamwork and uh was Cam's old manager and our a and R Chris at Epitaph. So he had just moved over there, I think, from Fearless or something like that, and they had just known each other uh through—I don't even know what—but you know, the the some demos got sent over. I think we had just recorded a demo version of Stone Alone, and yeah, it just kind of it came together really fast. We played like maybe th- three or four shows before we were signed, and I think Chris came out to a couple of those and. Yeah, it, we were the first band that he signed actually on Epitaph.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So it seems like uh the tides just lined up perfectly, right? Your friend uh your connection is with Epitaph. We're starting this exciting new band. Everything lines up. He's looking to sign someone new. Done, just like that.
1: Just like that. It it was very quick. I didn't realize how quick things like this went. You know, I'd never really signed a a real record contract before. And when it happened, it was it, it was uh, I mean, it was surreal, but it was also like a little anticlimactic there for a second, because like, you know, at, at <laughs> this, this is going to sound so lame. But, you know, when you grow up listening to bands, seeing bands at kind of hitting their peak and there are certain labels that you really look up to and you have you, you start to develop this certain idea in your head of what it looks like. And feels like to be in a signed band and touring, you know, and, and I, I I grew up with that in my head for years, you know, from, (laughs) from middle school until basically until like this happened, you know, basically until we got signed and I was like, okay, this is it. Here comes the wave. And then it wasn't like that at all. You know, (laughs) like we were, I was like, when are we going to start like making money? like we got this you know we got more money than i've ever seen in my life to make a record but then it was gone <laughs> you know <laughs> like like we fucking spent it all just making the record and then we had to go tour and we had to get tour support from the label and at one point we like ran out of money on the road and i was like wait like at what point does this start sustaining itself <laughs> you know And I'm still kind of at that point, and now I have a much more realistic version, like version in my head of how it goes, and it's hilarious what my high school self thought in comparison to this.
0: How old were you when uh, initially when things got going with Epitaph?
1: I think I was like thirty. I think I just turned thirty.
0: So even at that point, you thought like, "Hey, uh, we're going to be making money off this thing. I can like live off of this."
1: I mean, I don't know, like living off of it was, uh, I don't think that was necessarily an expectation, but definitely, um, like it was going to be the main thing, like the main focus. Yeah. And then I started seeing, you know, how much money really needs to come in and out of a project like this to make it work. And I was like, oh no, we're, we're still going to be like even, you know, spending a lot of our own money to make this happen. And it's still very much a labor of love. And no one's going to carry us through this. You know, like we <laughs> we have to continue to grind and grind and grind to to make this thing happen. And we're not going to see anything really super meaningful in the financial department, you know, because we're a baby band. We don't... <laughs> it, I, I I had a, a very unrealistic expectation or, or picture of like, how long it takes to break a band and we're still not broken you know like we still we have a shitload of streams and a shitload of listeners and you know we can sell pretty decent amounts of tickets in certain cities and it's still just not even close to what it was in the early 2000s when i was like really at my peak of like consuming music
0: right who knows if it ever will be again
1: I don't expect it will be, you know, especially with how things are going with with streaming royalties and, you know, just, just how <laughs> how the music industry is looking in
0: general. Right. Yeah, but no, that's, uh, that's interesting to hear from your perspective too, because I, maybe even I thought like, oh, with a label like Epitaph, like, you know, you're going to get a big push and maybe there's more money, more money in terms of like, you know, tour support and that type of thing. But No, I'm listening to you say you still have to do the grind. You still have to spend your own money. You still have to get out there. And look, you signed with the label in what? Like 2017, 2018? You're saying just now in 2023, you're starting to see more of a bump with the headlining gigs, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... And that and we're on the fast track. You know, we've been on the fast track, I think. Like, shit just kind of started happening because people dug the music, you know? Yeah. Like, we sold a few records. To this day, I don't really have a realistic number in my head. (laughs) So like how many records we've sold, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, right. Like we're at this point, we're still trying to remain relevant. You know, shit just moves so fast now. And a new brilliant band is coming out every week. And so we're, we're still fighting for attention. And I'm so, so incredibly grateful, like for the, the attention and the, the, the amount of money that, you know, the label has put into us is is not anything to, you know, shake a stick at or whatever. Like it's significant, but it doesn't mean that we're rich people. Like, oh no. Like, you know, we have day jobs. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I didn't realize until I started doing this podcast that you know, a lot of bands, I assume the band is all they do. It's not. Like, I'll talk to them, and they're like, no, I don't do this full-time, or I do these other things. Like, uh, there's just not a lot of money in it.
1: No, there there really isn't. It's not, like, I don't really understand how people do it full-time. The only people that I know that do it full-time are, like, legacy bands or bands that had like a platinum single at one point and the royalties are still rolling in, you know, (laughs) it's like you had to have broken at a certain point. Like, I, I don't know that I I can't say that I'm just speaking for me and the people that I know, uh, because obviously there are bands that are like rock bands, even that are wildly successful right now, but I just don't really understand how that happens.
0: Yeah, of all the bands I grew up with and saw and everything, I can only think of one where the people lived off the band, and they but they were around for like almost 20 years. And still, people weren't living in like mansions, you know, it was just like a regular life job type of thing.
1: Yeah, and nobody needs the mansion. Nobody no, is like, nobody, I mean, even really like, I, I feel like people making that kind of living, like where it's just... You know, it's nice. It's 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 comfy. You get to live off the royalties or or the the merch revenue or whatever. That's a fucking miracle. <laughs> like <laughs> and 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 if you've got that, you should be so grateful. And yeah, yeah, I, like and and I am. I'm grateful that the the thing sustains itself, and we can we can go on tour, and we don't have to hemorrhage money anymore.
0: Yeah, that that's what I tell people. You know, though I'll mention I'm in a band. They ask about that. And I say, if you're not losing money, you're ahead of most people, if you're just breaking even.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm on a band that's on a label for the first time in my life, and I'm 41 years old now. And really, that just opens doors, you know, like, you can get merch printed, you can get records printed, and you get on better shows. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know what label you're on, but... It, it seems like there are only a handful of labels, too, out there right now where you can you can be on it and it actually means something. You know, it's actually like, oh, these guys have a little bit of clout, whatever that fucking means, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, if you're on a label like Epitaph where there's serious name recognition, that goes a long way, too. Yeah,
1: it really does. I mean, just just being able to say that, people are like, oh, you must be legit you know, and I'm like, I'm not, (laughs) but (laughs) like, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to say.
0: See, I think you're legit because you're on Epitaph. It's working.
1: Hey, thanks. I I mean, it's, I, I think I'm somewhat legit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You, you've paid your dues. You're doing things. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it took me many, many years, but, and, and like to, to speak to your point about being on a label for the first time and being, in your forties like that's that's something I think that hmm, how do I put this It's not something you'd expect right like you you hear about any artist in the music industry, just specifically music, and there's this expectation that you're gonna be in your twenties or in your even you know straight out of high school or something right but like i i mean i'm thirty six and I'm just now hitting my stride as a a musician that maybe might be like in in a very small way recognizable, you know, like I, I'm not a household name, obviously, but occasionally people would be like, Oh, you're that guy. (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) Like on the Paris Jackson gig, like some guy was like, Hey, you're the guy from teenage Riss, And I was like, Holy shit. Like one guy in the crowd knows who I am. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> 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 you know, but I'm old. I'm old as shit, you know? And like I never thought that it was going to be that way and people still don't think that. People still don't like really realize how old we all are. <laughs> you know? Right. Like people right. have this fixation on on being young and doing things when you're young and and uh, I just now that I'm here and I'm way past that, I don't get it. Like I almost won't even listen to a band if they're in their early 20s. I'm like psh- you know (laughs) what do you guys know
0: (laughs) like no i know what you mean it's like it seems to be two tracks right like you get started when you're 17 and you break when you're 24 and then you're just in it for a long time or people like us where we're doing it for a long time and then things kind of happen later which is what's happening for me not that i'm any notable figure or anything but i thought i was done with music for a while like my life was really messy. I wasn't doing anything. And then I started doing this podcast and then I joined a new band that's on a label. So things are just starting to happen now and that's enough. That's enough because I thought I was done.
1: Mhm. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> if I guess if you're doing it for any other reason than just to do it. That's like, you know, maybe maybe you should do something else. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it, it's a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I do. You know, I this podcast is all I do. The music is all I do. And it doesn't matter if I'm making money and it doesn't matter if I'm signed or not signed or like in some capacity, that's what I need to do because I'm happiest when I'm creating things, however big or small they are, and putting them out there into the world. Is that how you operate as well?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, to say something like, like you just said, like, you're done with music, like, that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> that shouldn't even be in your brain. You're always going to do it, right? I'm always going to do it, no matter if we're signed or, you know, making money or on tour or whatever. And, it, but it took this long to realize that because I started out with such a delusional thing in my head where it was like, I'm going to do this for a living. And if, you know, if I don't do it by this age, I'm calling it. You know, like, what's the point? Yeah,
0: yeah, that is a silly way of thinking. Because I used to do that too. It's insane. You don't ever have to stop. There's no, there's no cap.
1: Yeah, I think that's just that's that's born out of insecurity and and this weird focus that the music industry has on
0: people being young. Right. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I think um, now more than ever that stuff doesn't matter as much or maybe it just doesn't matter to me because i'm older or maybe both i don't know but like when i discover a cool new band like yours i'm not like looking to make sure they're 25 or under or like checking some boxes i listen to the music and if i like the music then it's good i'm in
1: yeah absolutely i mean i think that's that's probably not the way that a lot of people are viewing it but that's the way i operate yeah i mean i don't really care <laughs> who it is where they're from as long as the music is rad
0: so we have the new record out still love have the accolades come pouring in are we checking youtube (laughs) comments to make sure people are saying nice things what what feedback have you gotten so far if any
1: well it's only been out for you know a few hours now at least in the u.s and it seems to be overwhelmingly positive i like it depends on what (laughs) website you check though (laughs) you know like instagram is like a outpour of love and support and fire emojis and you know just so much positivity it's it's crazy but you pop over to youtube and people are like you know that's where people really start to get mean and then god forbid you read some of the blog posts like we had we had, we had a review on on Lamb Goat, which I love, and it's you know it's it's sp- specifically dedicated to heavy music. It seems like, and we're on the pretty light side of heavy music. So I mean, we put out that song with Essay from Three Eleven, and it was like I don't know, people were saying some some weird mean shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what that's what you go to Lamb Goat for. Like I specifically read the comments section sometime just to see the crazy things that people say, like that's, that's their bread and butter.
1: Yeah. I just, I wonder who these people are. Are they actual people or are they robots or like, I I just don't get it. I don't really understand the motivation behind leaving a really, really negative comment on anyone's art, you know, or anything in general, like the people that go to like a restaurant and leave re- like leave a shitty review on Yelp. Like I don't understand. Like just don't go again. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's uh. I think it's a lot of angry Northeast people. I know <laughs> because I am one. I was one. Like I used to be that angry <laughs> kid on the internet, like talking shit about everything. And I don't do that anymore. But I I, I have my moments. But it's like
1: okay, as as a as a former angry kid on youtube where does that come from like what made you do that
0: i think um that's a good question i've thought about this oh you know what it is i i wasn't doing anything Mm -hmm. and i want i wanted to be doing things so i guess i felt empowered to decide what was good or not publicly and like talk shit but now that i'm actually doing stuff i would never like like, I don't know, if you posted a video, God, like, imagine me going there and being like, hey, Marshall, this sucks. Like, <laughs> art, artists don't do that to each other. Like, people who are doing things don't do that to each other. It's usually, like, just people who are consuming it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's completely out of the, the artist dialogue. Yeah. We don't, we don't review each other's shit. We, we, if we're going to talk shit about something, we do it at band practice. yeah yeah like always 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 you know what i'm noticing every single negative thing that's come out of my mouth is out is it's it comes from insecurity it comes from jealousy or something in that vein of emotions where i'm like a little bit resentful like why is this band bigger than we are you know like this record's not that great you know exactly (laughs) like we did a cooler thing you know like this fucking stuff like or i just i don't get it you know and it, you know it's 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 just a reflection of my own bullshit always
0: yeah i do that too cuz i'll be like oh this person can go on this show but not my show oh i see what and then but i just quickly shut that down because i'm like it's just not time yet stop it it's just not time yet
1: yeah you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life you have no idea the like what they're doing exactly. at any given time or why like I don't know. I I think that people who leave comments like like the you know the the trolls that we're talking about, they just they they're so bummed out in their own lives and they legit have no idea how it feels to receive those kinds of comments.
0: Well, that's the thing. They've never made anything. In most cases, they've never made anything and put it out there into the world to be judged by others. So I think if they were in that position, they would have a different perspective.
1: Yeah. 100%.
0: So what could people say bad about you? I don't know the band the production is great, the band is great, the I mean I like everything you guys are doing. What what could they possibly say?
1: Um I don't know. I mean I guess it just doesn't connect with some people, you know? It's like z- people can always find something to nitpick or something that they don't connect with that they think was the wrong call or they want to hear something more similar to something that we did earlier. Ah that they really dug and we're not doing that anymore. So they're like, Oh, well, you know, this sucks. I wouldn't have done it this way. We draw a lot of inspiration from 90s and 2000s bands. And I think a lot of people would uh, characterize that as nostalgia, which is, you know, it's not wrong. We're just old. (laughs) 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 Like, you know, like you're, you're a product of your environment and, having grown up in the 90s and early 2000s, when I go to write a piece of music, that's just what comes out. That's just the unfiltered, you know, it's not like I'm going down Spotify playlists and being like, I want to sound like this. And I want to sound like this. And you know, this is what this is what I'm going for. I'm not going for anything. Like, we, we had a comment about the essay feature being a nostalgia grab and how that was super lame. And I was like, yeah, but they don't know that like, this is literally one of the most important artists of my entire life. So, like, they're saying it's a nostalgia grab, but for me, it's, it's a literal dream come true. Yeah. So, like, it's just, <laughs> like, I don't know. People just have no fucking idea. And that's okay. That's fine. Right.
0: You're still going to do what you're doing.
1: Yeah. I'm not doing it for them. <laughs> I'm doing it for the people. Doing it for, A, myself. B, for the people that like it.
0: So you said you actually did a collaboration with Three Eleven?
1: Yeah, we have a song out on, oh, not the whole band, just just SA, mm-hmm. the um one of the vocalists. Yeah, he he did a whole verse on uh, Dark Sky. He like basically co-wrote that with us. Like he did his own verse and his own bridge, and one of the members of their team who we met when while we were on tour co-wrote the song as well. This guy Evan, who's been just in our corner for, for so long now, he was just a fan and basically brought us onto the tour and like, you know, put us in, in the ear of 3.11. So yeah, it's, it's another one of those things like we were talking about earlier, where it's completely out of body. And I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that it's actually happening.
0: That's amazing. Do you reach out to them? Like, do you say, hey, would you be interested in doing this? Like, how does it work?
1: Sort of. for For a few of the features, it was that uh like for for the um i i don't ever um phrase it as would you like to be featured on this song though it's more like hey we have this blank space in a song i don't know what to do with it do you want to take a stab at it kind of thing yeah and in most cases it comes back and it's like okay yeah this is great this is perfect you know so, and all of it not all of it but most of these features were done remotely because you know essay lives hours away soft cult is from canada like you know my 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 buddy dave who's in uh used to be in fear before the march of flames is now in my other band memory drip lives in colorado so i mean so much of it was was just like sending wave files back and forth
0: so you send it to Sa and say, "Hey, do you want to do something here?" He sends it back to you, and he has a part in there.
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, we we weren't even like we had met and we knew, you know, we were aware of each other. Yeah. But all the communication, pretty much, was through Evan, who's the other co writer, and you know is 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 deep in that camp. So he was the one kind of facilitating everything. And yeah, it just it it, it just seem to happen out of nowhere you know it's like hey it, i sent it to him and i was like do you have any ideas for this like do any of the guys want to you know see if they are interested in doing this and then like no guarantees no speculation and then all of a sudden i just get a text out of nowhere with like you know a, a <laughs> with with a WAV file that says essay vocal on it and i'm like holy shit this actually <laughs> this actually happened like this is insane
0: wow do you do they send like the lyrics too so you know what to put in the booklet like how does that work mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah like once once we you know locked it in then uh it was like okay you know what are the lyrics what are the splits essay came down and did the video with us oh great so much fun <laughs> like, wow he's just he's just such a rad dude and such a pro
0: you know yeah wow that's amazing yeah, when I was listening to it I didn't realize it was uh SA Martinez from 311 cuz yep. I I'm, I'm just look I see teenage wrist SA Martinez. Cool. Cool collaboration.
1: Yeah, it was. It was uh, you know, it, <laughs> I I don't I don't know what else to say about it <laughs> other than <laughs> holy fuck. So weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just nice uh, when the worlds collide. Everything lines up, and you you get to work on those things. I mean, it's a it's a great situation all around.
1: feels feels like we're riding something. It feels like feels like whatever we put out into the universe right now is going to come back positive. So we're you know, we're doing everything we can. We're we're throwing hail marys everywhere. We're doing shit that may or may not work musically, at least.
0: Well, I think it's working. So keep doing what you're doing. But listen, we have the Still Love LP out right now today as we record this. And everybody, by the time this episode airs, it's going to be out there everywhere in the world. So make sure you pick up a copy or listen to it. But Marshall, what do we have coming up? Where can we hear you? Where can we see you?
1: So let's see. Unfortunately, we don't have a tour right now, right now in this moment. But September 5th, we start a full North American tour. It starts in Santa Ana, goes around the country, ends in LA. Um, we're going to a lot of places—some some familiar, some strange—and <laughs> uh, that's that's for like a month and a half, September to October. Hopefully, we're going to wherever you are. I mean, we're we're going to Brooklyn, so like you're you're I don't know. You should come. <laughs> that's
0: where I'm at. Let's All do right. it.
1: Killer. Who's the who's the tour with? <laughs> So we're taking out this band called Spiritual Cramp, who are just a rad punk band that I've been introduced to in the past couple of months. It was like, found them on Spotify. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if these guys would be interested in touring with us. And we put it out there and they were like, yeah, we're putting out a record too. So they're putting out a record. We're putting out a record. And then on different legs of the tour, we have Initiate, really cool hardcore band, um, Trauma Ray, which is kind of more in, in the... Heavy Shoegaze laying there from Texas, and uh, Slowjoy is on a leg, and then Heavenward Cam's band is doing the last two dates with us. So it's going to be a you know a a really really cool lineup. No matter where where you're at, and after that we're talking about UK and Europe. So I hope everyone out there gets to finally see us. We haven't been to the UK since 2018, and you know we're finally kind of making moves to get out there again. So that's that's very exciting.
0: That's awesome. Have you played with Cam uh, since he left? Like in a, like not, his band and your band or anything like that?
1: Not live. Uh, we've been in the studio together quite a bit. But yeah, we haven't been on stage together since
0: 2019. So that'll be a trip, right? Yeah, super trip. What do you think? Uh, like Cam guest vocal spot while you guys are playing live or something? Have we thought about that? Have we talked about that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to happen for sure. At least I hope. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's probably a given. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll try and get all the, the guests out if they're around. We're definitely going to, you know, hit up SA for the Los Angeles show, see if he wants to r- roll through. I unfortunately, Soft Cult is on tour. Well, I mean, fortunately for them, but unfortunately for us when we're in Toronto, they're not. So I think probably we're going to get Dave out for the Denver show. You know, all, all the homies are going to come, come sing with us.
0: I like that. I like that. It sounds like everybody still gets along. That's good. That's important, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're putting nothing but positivity out right now. We're, we're, we're getting it all back. So hopefully it continues that way.
0: Well, Marshall, I love the band. I love the new record. I love everything you guys are doing. So keep doing it. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show.
1: It's my pleasure, man. Thank you for, for listening and for, for taking the time.
0: And there you have it, Marshall Gallagher. Excellent, excellent conversation. I'm really digging Teenage Wrist. I just sat here and listened to the Still Love LP, the whole thing, again, and it's rare for me to sit down and listen to a whole record and just listen to it, honestly, because I'm always working and and my ADD adult brain is always running around, jumping from thing to thing, but really good record. And just a nice conversation with Marshall, you know? spanning different topics, talking about navigating the confusing music business, trying to figure things out, and some gaming conversation, of course. You know I love that. You know I love when that is mixed in. But he was nice, the band is really good, and I recommend them to you, so check it out. Thank you so much, Marshall, for coming on the show. So let's check in. How are we doing I am doing pretty well. Uh The Darling Fire originally had some gigs planned for this weekend in Long Island and Philadelphia. Those ended up getting canceled. Uh Jolie and Geronimo from the Darling Fire, their dog is in the hospital. It's been in the hospital, so they weren't able to leave it alone because of its condition. So we had to cancel the shows, and it was not an easy decision to make and we were really bummed out. So I I apologize to anyone who was coming to see us and to everyone who helped set up the shows. The Saturday show is continuing without us. The Sunday show we had to cancel, but um, hopefully we will get into Long Island and Philadelphia to play again soon. So things have calmed down a bit for me. So I'm just taking some much needed time to relax. I have free time, which I have not had in a long time. So I cleaned my entire apartment. I'm talking mopping floors, wiping off counters, I scrub the tub. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on in here. And it feels really good. I got to do this more often. I think I'm going to do it more often because uh, it didn't take as much time as I thought. It's very tiring though, you know? It's very tiring. And besides that, my only plan this weekend was to sit down and intentionally try to get addicted to the game Elden Ring. And you know what? I've succeeded. I'm hooked. I got the PlayStation 5 back in February and I started playing Elden Ring, but I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't know where I was going. And I just, you know, I got scared of it. It was kind of overwhelming at first. So I put it down for a long time and played other stuff. But then I watched a guy on Twitch who I watch every day stream the game again. And I was like, this looks so great. I have to get into this game, deep into this game. And now that I've got the time, I've done it. So I'm starting to figure things out. I've killed my first few bosses. This is my first FromSoft game I've ever played. So it's just really, really fun. I was up till one in the morning, Friday night, trying to kill a boss, drinking Mountain Dew. I felt like I was 16 years old again. It was great. It was great. So just uh, taking this weekend to chill out and laze about and do things I want to do. And it feels really good. I'm sitting here. It's Sunday. I got the window open, there's a nice breeze coming in, it's not too hot, August is almost over, September and October are almost here, that's the best time of the year, I can't wait, I can't wait, there's plenty to look forward to, both in life and this show. We've got most of the year booked up, and we've got some killer, killer guests coming up, so exciting times, exciting times all around. So that's it, that's it for this week. I'm doing great. I hope everybody out there is doing great as well. So we are going to end the show with a song called Hope to See You Again by the artist Ann Tent. I will add it to the new Scene 2023 Spotify playlist. You can hear all of my recommendations there, as well as our guests. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks, everybody, for listening.